0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe.
1: All right, it's episode 30. For the love of the game, let's get it cracking.
0: Tell me what's really going on. Drizzy back up in this thing, I'm ready. What's happening? Gone for surgery, but now I'm back again. I'm about my paper like, my paper like a scratch and win. World Series attitude, champagne bottle life. Nothing ever changes, so tonight is like tomorrow night. I will have a model wife. Yo, she's as hot as ice. Every time you see me, I look like I hit the lotto twice. Drake,
1: you got him, right.
0: Yeah, I got them bun. I love myself because I swear that life is just not as fun. Neeks got the wheel. Hush got a go. CJ got my credit cards and a lot of ones. Yeah, I'm in the city of the purple Sprite. Someone tell Malaya I'm on fire. She should work tonight. Call up King of Diamonds and tell China it be worth the flight. I'll be at my table stacking dollars to the perfect height. Work something. Twerk something basis. She just try and make it so she right here getting naked. I don't judge her, I don't judge her. But I could never love her. Cause to her, I'm just a rapper and soon she'll have met another. That's why me and Lil' Jazz about the spaz. Can you keep up? I'm just feeling sorry for whoever got a sweep up. Yeah, bills everywhere. Trill everything and Drake to stand for do right and kill everything. I love
1: All right, all right, all right. Welcome back. It is episode 30 of For the Love of the Game podcast. Can't believe it, 30 episodes in. We have reached a pretty momentous mark. Let's keep the momentum going, people. Uh, and let's uh spread the word and really blow this thing to the moon. Before we get into all the fun stuff, the light stuff, uh, I would be remiss if I didn't mention the tragedy that took place in Jacksonville over the weekend at the Madden Gaming Tournament. Just terrible prayers to all the victims and all the families uh, for those who uh, were injured or killed. Uh, Society, it's time to be the best version of ourselves. Um, It's a long time coming. Uh, Just a horrible, horrible tragedy this weekend. And our thoughts are with the people who are affected. Anyway, football is around the corner. And we will get into all things NFL and touch on a little college football later on in the show. Uh, But first, the NBA has proposed a couple of small rule changes, which include resetting the shot clock to 14 seconds instead of 24 seconds after an offensive rebound that hits the rim, simplifying the, quote, clear path foul, and expanding what is considered a hostile act for the purpose of triggering a replay at the end of the game. Uh, A couple of thoughts on these. Uh, First off, the clock rule is good for the game. More possessions, more excitement. Anything that speeds up the game is a good thing. Thumbs up on this one. Number two, the clear path foul rules are ridiculous, and it needs to change. And anything that penalizes defenses more for committing these types of fouls and stopping fast breaks in a ridiculous fashion also gets a thumbs up for me. As for what triggers replay, well, the wording on this one was a little vague at the moment. Uh, One of my few gripes with the NBA as a product is that replay gets out of control at the end of games, most of the time. So anything that makes replay more insufferable, well, let's try and stay away from that. Thank you very much, National Basketball Association. Uh, In other NBA news, Manu Ginobili, the uh, San Antonio Spurs legend in Argentina, basketball legend announced his retirement from the NBA today after 16 years at the age of 41, What an incredible career he had. A winner at every level, whether it was uh, international or in the NBA. He was one of my favorite guys to watch ever. He was unselfish his whole career, uh, suppressed his personal stats and even personal playing time and personal accolades for the betterment of the team, uh, which allowed the Spurs to have this incredible run of excellence since 1997 he won four titles he's a no-brainer first ballot all of famer i implore every basketball fan to go back and watch his career highlights online they're just awesome i'll miss watching him a tremendous amount he had flair he had tremendous basketball iq so uh shout out to Manu Ginobili, and to conclude this segment take us out charles barkley because he said it best
0: we welcome you back to Inside the NBA, presented by Hyundai, and we are joined by a <laughs> special guest. That's it, <laughs>
1: Quick note on college football, and this will be brief because on this show, we really try and focus on light, fun stuff. But Urban Meyer, head coach of the Ohio State Buckeyes football team, uh, was suspended three games for his knowledge or whatever that was considered uh, an involvement in the Zach Smith story uh, and his domestic abuse issues. Uh, My feeling about this is coaches like Urban Meyer are the most powerful guys in a university. They know almost everything. Everything that goes on with their programs to suspend him only three games for uh, the Zach Smith situation and covering up text messages that he knew that he was beating his wife is an absolute joke and slap in the face to just human decency. Just to show that if you win in college football, that's really all that matters. I mean, Ohio State looks terrible after this. They fired a guy with a squeaky clean reputation who won for them, their basketball coach, Thad Mata, because he didn't win enough in the last couple of years of his career. But they keep Urban Meyer away, who had a sketchy past coming into Ohio State. And after all this, I mean, Ohio State, come on, man, you just have to be better, especially in today's climate. It's really inexcusable, but just goes to show you that if you win football games, the boosters and the donors, I, I don't think they care. And that's just that's just pretty sad. Breaking news today, Odell Beckham Jr. re-ups with the Giants, the highest paid wide receiver in the NFL, 65 million guaranteed for the extremely talented, uh, colorful wide receiver, uh, $95 million overall. You can debate the value of wide receivers in today's league, and we've done that on this show. But in terms of being the highest paid, well, that's what happens. Odell's contract was up now, so he was going to set the market. And for the record, as a Giants fan, uh, I'm for this. Uh, the New York Yankees have been on a bit of a roll lately. J.A. Happ has been way better for the Yankees than I Ever thought he would be. Stanton has been mashing, but the guy who's been the real driving force for their success recently is rookie third baseman, Miguel Andujar. He has been absolutely fantastic at the plate and is now the clear favorite in the American league to win rookie of the year. They also made up four games on the Red Sox who got swept for the first time this season in Tampa and the Yankees now have a shot. And it's crazy to say this after the four game sweep in Boston, but have a shot at the division being only five games back in the loss column entering tonight. If the Yankees can get healthy and who knows what can happen at the end of the season, you know, things can get a little interesting. And thank goodness for Yankee fans. We have seen little to no Greg Bird lately. Hopefully that trend continues because he has been continuously terrible. The U.S. Open tennis tournament kicked off today in Flushing Meadows. Uh, an excellent sporting event to attend that's in our backyard. It's good to see the men's field being loaded with all the major guys healthy. Rafael Nadal, Roger Federer, Novak Djokovic, Andy Murray is back, even if he's unseated. Uh, Juan Martin Del Potro is healthy and looks good. It's going to be an awesome tournament. Of course, I'm picking Roger Federer, the number two seed to win, and it looks like your boy will be in Arthur Ashe tomorrow at some point, which will be great. Hopefully... I'll do a nice little preview uh, or overview of the tournament at the end of this show uh, if uh, things work out. As for the women's draw, as always, not too interesting because the state of women's tennis, if Serena Williams is on her game, she will win, which is kind of boring. However, there's one issue regarding Serena Williams that I'd like to touch on real quick. The French Open has banned her catsuit outfit that she re- that she wore, I should say, at the past french open and of course there's a bunch of backlash because it's unlawful apparently to have a dress code in today's society this dress code is suppressing serena williams's ability to express herself and her womanhood which is just a load of bullcrap i mean to act like having a dress code is restricting is insane now let me ask you all a question let me paint the scenario here If I worked at Goldman Sachs and walked in my first day at work wearing flip-flops, shorts, and a You Mad Bro t-shirt, what do you think is going to happen? I would undoubtedly be sent home to get a suit and proper attire, and I would probably be fired. Is that limiting my freedom of expression? No. If I want to work at Goldman Sachs and I sign up to work at Goldman Sachs, that is my choice. And as a result, I need to abide by their culture. If I don't like it, then I can choose not to work at Goldman Sachs, which is one of the reasons I currently choose not to work at Goldman Sachs. Serena Williams and any tennis player for that matter should be no different, male or female. But of course, feminists out there and uh, the liberals are incredibly outraged. Because all they want to do is be angry about certain things these days for absolutely no reason. If the cat suit is so important to Serena Williams and her showing off her female power and womanhood, then skip the French Open. Andre Agassi did it when he protested Wimbledon for all whites a couple of years earlier. You know, it's no different. If you want to choose to skip the French Open, that's your choice. And no one's complaining about the Wimbledon rules now that they make them wear all white. So this is really no different. It just goes to show you the state of the women's game these days when we're at the beginning of the U.S. Open, one of the four majors, and this is all that's going on in the headlines and in the news. We're really a far cry away from the days of Martina Navratilova, Chris Everett, and Billie Jean King. Yuck. And of course, today on the opening day of the tournament in the women's draw, Simona Halep the uh, number one seed loses in the first round today. Really a a hot start for women's tennis. One last thing before we get into tonight's guests, uh, the NFL's helmet rule and the targeting rule is going to be an absolute disaster. If the game is being officiated like it was during the preseason, defensive backs and defensive players will basically be penalized for every single hit. It's an absolute joke and it can easily get out of hand. The game's may very well be unwatchable this year, completely unwatchable. Now, I hope that's not the case, but I'm really not confident in that. And I'm all for making the game safer. But when textbook tackles are being flagged for targeting or for illegal hits, then we have a major problem. It's just further proof that these days, the NBA and the NHL are better products than the NFL now. And majority of America just doesn't get it. Now, with that said, let's get into tonight's guests. All right. On the eve of football season, both college and NFL had to bring on a, uh, you know him, uh, you're going to recognize the voice, one of my favorite recurring guests, Mr. Jordan Marks, who's not only my college football expert, but a uh, hardcore diehard New York Jets fan. Um, We haven't spoken about the Jets in a little bit, so uh, it was appropriate timing to bring him back. Jordan, what's going on, man?
2: How's it going? Can't believe football season's already here.
1: Yeah, I can't believe it. I was talking with uh, Jason Eisenman on the last episode and how uh, the beginning of football season means the end of beach season, which obviously for me is a little bittersweet, but here we are. Absolutely. So just to get us uh, rolling, uh, your thoughts on Sam Darnold right now? I mean, it sounds like Jet fans have to be pretty pleased with uh, what they've seen. Uh, So, The floor is yours.
2: Yeah, I mean, coming into camp, I guess we really didn't know. Um, you kind of just have to cross your fingers and things probably will go wrong as a Jets fan. But uh this is just a this just feels different. It doesn't feel like how Mark Sanchez felt when we took him at the top of the draft. This feels like we have a prototypical quarterback and and after after watching him in the preseason thus far, I'm I'm pretty positive on him. Um, in terms of the matchup with Teddy and McCown, obviously McCown came in to camp in that, uh, starting spot. And it looks like he's already dropped down to third. Um, so now we have this battle between, uh, Teddy who's on this one year crazy deal. And then our Lord and savior, Sammy Darnold, uh, who both, who both of them look actually pretty good, uh, to be a quarterback of the league. Um, I guess my, uh, part is saying that M should start, but my brain probably thinks with the schedule, how it starts off with three games in 11 days. And then you get Jacksonville's defense in week four, and you kind of need someone to bite on Teddy. If you're going to trade him, I kind of think that my brain says, Teddy should start.
1: So, um, let me ask you a question. Um, looking at this landscape of the league, obviously every team needs a quarterback But a lot of the teams have already addressed that need, whether it was in the draft or free agency. So what value does Teddy Bridgewater have right now? Like where, where would be a good landing spot for him in theory? I mean,
2: yeah, I guess like the problem, like I guess Miami or Cincinnati or, I mean, even the giants. Right. But I, you know, I didn't like look deep into what their contractual salary cap situations are. Uh, but the problem is, what, what does it take, you know? Is it a conditional fourth-round pick right now? Like, who has given up that much for a one-year starting quarterback? And maybe it's Jacksonville, because Jacksonville has the defense to get there. And if Blake Bortles stinks it up. But, I mean, they were on the precipice of the Super Bowl last year, so...
1: And they, Uh, and they signed him to an extension. The one team, the one team that uh, stuck out to me is Tampa because Jameis Winston kind of stinks and he suspended four games and his act has worn uh, I would assume very tiresome for the Tampa Bay organization. Like that's the really only logical fit because Teddy has proven and he's young enough that he's a starter. Um and if they can't trade him, is it so crazy to have Teddy play out the year um and then have Darnold sit for the year? I mean, Carson Palmer did that. I, you know, Aaron Rodgers famously uh yeah. did that. I mean, assuming Teddy's good, of course. I mean, the Giants don't make any sense because Eli's on a big deal for another two years and is probably gonna have to restructure at the end of this year, but that doesn't really make a whole lot of sense, at least for this year. Um, but yeah, I mean, those are the really only options I can think of. Yeah. I
2: could, yeah, I could see Tampa. I I guess you don't want to be stuck in mediocrity, right? Like you don't want a nine, a seven and nine, eight and eight season, which I don't even think Tampa would be there with Teddy, but maybe Tampa just doesn't think it can get there. And like for one year of Teddy Bridgewater and then get, I'd be giving up completely on Jameis. I don't know if it's worth it
1: the Jets are actually in a crazy spot for them. It's like they may actually have QB depth for the first time in their, uh, in their franchise history, <laughs> which is a little strange to say, considering, you know, it's, the history it's of the Jets. crazy. Yeah, absolutely. It's crazy. So you would, you know, just to sum up, you would start Darnold after week four, week five.
2: Yeah. I mean, the, the hope is, this would be my ideal situation is, the jets go like three and one in the first four weeks and teddy shows himself up and they can get like a second rounder that would be i don't think that's even possible but that would be ideal um and then sam donald comes in the offensive line gets the full health and then you get cranking after jacksonville week
1: well it'll be interesting for the jets i mean where do you find them, uh, or I should say, where do you expect them to finish uh, this year in terms of record-wise, uh, place in the division? I yeah, per- uh, yeah, what do you think? I personally think, and I like a lot of what they've done, um, but it's that thing where they're just starting. So I wouldn't be surprised if they go 5-11 again, but are on the upswing, where they're like a year uh-huh. away from really making a... Uh, a move and a, a serious run at this.
2: Uh, see, I, yeah, I have them closer to like nine and seven because this goes to, I think that they are like the second best team in the, in the division. It's a really, really poor division. And then it's, it's not I great. think, and I think the schedule is pretty soft. And then, you know, uh, the secondary is pretty outstanding. You have Jamal Adams and Marcus may at safety. You added an all pro blue chipper and Tremaine Johnson to go across from Morris Claiborne who's already On the up and up, so you have a great secondary, which is kind of what you need for Todd Bowles' defense. You need that man coverage, so you can have an assortment of blitzes. And then you have now you have Big Leonard Williams, who's a Pro Bowl run plugger up the middle, and you get your your linebackers back, which uh, you lost a few edge rushers, but um, you got some good young talent. Yeah, it's a young team, but uh, and I don't think they're a playoff team just yet. But I think they're right on the edge.
1: Jets fans will take that. I think Jets fans will sign up for that right now. So, yeah, I mean, the Jets are going to be a little interesting this year. Uh, They haven't been compelling at all because they haven't had a young quarterback that to be really excited about in a couple of years. But the Jets will be interesting, which is which is nice for a change. Uh, Just looking at the NFL uh, as a whole for a second, which to you is the division that is that is the most interesting division um, in terms of not just the divisional race, but the the overall strength of the teams in that division.
2: So, for me, it's 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 a it's a division that I always find to be the most compelling, probably over the past three, four, or five years. And it, to me, that's the uh, NFC South. So that's the Panthers, um, Falcons, Saints, Rocks division. So since Cam has really came along division's been pretty compelling. Uh, I think got even more interesting this year. Yes, Drew Brees, Matt Ryan, and even Cam seem like old news. But, I mean, for the Saints, Alvin Kamara is clearly a budding star. He's like the player everyone always wants to see on, like, red zone. The Saints defense got significantly better last year, and they added a monster edge rusher in the draft in Marcus Davenport. Um, I think that Atlanta is going to be significantly better. Because Steve Sarkeesian's coming over, putting putting in his plan, which should highlight Julio Jones even more than before. They get a new rookie wide receiver in Calvin Ridley, who's one of the top receivers in the draft. And then the Panthers, I, Christian McCaffrey, this is his year to break out, right? And then they're installing Norv Turner's offense, which it which is essentially the Auburn offense. So power run, set up big air raid type offense. And I think the Panthers are going to be a more explosive offensive team, which sets up for a really competitive division.
1: So that was my second choice uh, on the NFC South. I think the most compelling division, which for a couple of years was the worst division in football is the AFC South. Um, You know, Uh, storylines wise. Yeah. Jacksonville, was a couple of plays away from the Super Bowl, uh, and they're coming back. Um, Deshaun Watson could easily be the best young quarterback in football. uh, And he could, if he didn't get hurt and tear his ACL last year, no, Jacksonville doesn't make that run. Houston could have easily gone super far. I mean, Andrew Luck, who's been a blue chipper since the day he was drafted, is back. And yeah, the Tennessee Titans are a little boring, but they were in the playoffs last year. I mean, that to me in terms of storylines and competitiveness is is the most compelling division in football this year and one to look out for the most, I guess.
2: Yeah. No, it's it's definitely a, the storylines for sure. I think it's but it's a lot it relies a lot on the medical staff and training of, of, of that division, right? Yeah. So
1: but it, for i mean, if you look up and down the rosters, it's clear that the n f c is just stacked with good teams. uh I mean, you can make a case that there are close to you know nine or ten playoff quality teams in the n f c and the a f c uh not not as much <laughs> to put it to put it mildly. I mean, obviously, we said the AFC South is stacked, but the AFC North is weak this year. The AFC West is a complete crapshoot. And, you know, the Patriots dominate the AFC East. The division of wealth is not very even amongst the conferences these days.
2: Absolutely. And as you said, it's, it's really a, a, an injury problem that we had last year that really could turn around. It's just a game of luck, I guess, with that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah. And I mean, looking towards the um, from last year's playoff teams, obviously, there's always a team from last year who makes the playoffs, who drops out like. And conversely, there's the team who was bad last year and makes a leap and turns it around and all of a sudden has a really good year and no one notices until midway through the season. So, I mean, first off, who do you think is the uh, the playoff team from last year that's going to drop out of the playoffs this year?
2: Uh, it's pretty easy. The Buffalo bills, <laughs> I mean, they, their bills stink. They were, uh, they went nine and seven last year with one of the five easiest schedules in the league. They had a, like a minus 60 point differential. I think Josh Allen's going to be good. I liked him coming out of college I, from a prototypical NFL kind of combine scouting perspective, but not as much. During the actual, his collegiate season, I mean, he was pretty bad in the Mountain West and the defenses of the NFL are just just significantly faster and stronger than the defenses he played in college. Um, they're going to lose Corey Glenn and Eric Wood off the o- offensive line. So it's just going to be tough for LaShawn and whoever is starting there. So it's like it's, yeah, that's going to be a tough way for them to make the playoffs this year.
1: I actually didn't think of them, which is really sad considering it must mean that they're really terrible, which is true. Um, I mean, Josh Allen does look good in shorts and has big hands, so they have that going for them, Bills Mafia. <laughs> uh, my yeah, pick, uh, aside for the Bills, um, in the AFC uh, is Tennessee. I just don't see Tennessee being, you know, at all worth a playoff spot this year, Uh, especially considering the division they're in, assuming everybody's healthy. I mean, I think they're by far the worst team in that division.
2: Yeah. I mean, I could, yeah, I could see that the division's difficult. Yeah. they're, They're changing over from an offensive coordinator perspective. So we'll see what happens with Mariota this year, but I think this is his year to either blossom or, or they might have to move on.
1: And he might blossom and they still won't be like, they wouldn't be good. I mean, that's definitely a possibility. I mean, I guess you can make a case that they're better than the Colts, but like if Andrew Luck is like Andrew Luck of three years ago, then I don't think they're better than the Colts.
2: Yeah, no, you're, I mean, you're definitely not wrong. I, they, they, they have a solid defense, but again, it's, it's a tough division. And, and if he's not, if he's going to continue with interception, not be able to stretch the field, it's going to be difficult.
1: And uh, you're picking the NFC.
2: Oh, I'm picking for both of them. Yeah, just uh, might, might,
1: might as well. I'll uh, take a stab at it. We're going a little off the cuff.
2: So my pick in the NFC, I, geez, um, maybe I just talked them up, but I guess Carolina, just because I'm not going to pick for three years in a row that. The, I've heard For two years in a row, that they get three division, three teams from the same division into the playoffs. So I think New Orleans gonna be good. I think Atlanta's still gonna be good. I'll pick Carolina to drop off, um, only because again, it's a really difficult schedule, and I don't have as much high hopes uh, for Cam staying healthy 100 percent of the time. So we'll see.
1: So I went in that division also and my pick is the Atlanta Falcons. I've been on this anti Matt Ryan kick for years now. And I just think it's going to come, you know, that train is going to come screaming into the station this year. Uh, I don't trust the coordinator. He's a nutcase. Um, I just, I I don't love the Falcons.
2: Yes. He's crazy. Um, Yeah. I don't, I don't tend to, it's, it's one of them. It's coin flip, right? Because I do think New Orleans is going to make the playoffs again. I think yes, they're really strong and they got stronger. So,
1: and the team to jump in for me, I mean, it logically, it has to be the Packers because if Rogers is healthy, they're going to win 10, 11 games. I mean, that's just, that's just the way it works. Uh, I think the 49ers are a year away. Uh, I think they're going to be really competitive, but I think they're a year away. So my pick for them to, I should say for the team to jump into the playoffs in the NFC would be the Packers because uh, Rodgers wins 10, 11 games by himself if he's healthy. And I, that's just the logical choice. Who you, who do you have? If anything different. So,
2: no, I mean, I completely, I have the 49ers as my team in the NFC. I mean, they, I think you think they're a year away, but remember they were outstanding the last five weeks of the season. Um, they they have an awesome offensive line now because they just added from the draft. They have a such a young and talented defense that I think people are completely overlooking because they have they're so inexperienced. But remember, they've just been stacking top ten picks, and they've just been taking linemen on both sides of the ball so i really think that they are going to make the playoffs if jimmy g can be what he was which is one of the best five quarterbacks in football towards the end of the
1: season and the last team that has a chance in my opinion in the nfc is uh is my new york giants i mean they were 11 and 5 two years ago uh, obviously last year was a disaster. Offensive line was a disaster led to defensive, uh, issues. And for the defense being the disaster, but if the offensive line plays well, and Saquon is, uh, you know, at what we expect and Odell Beckham just got paid. And if he's healthy, I mean, they could easily flip it around to win nine, 10 games.
2: Yeah, I was, I was really going to talk about the giants in a second, because I, I don't know if i make the playoffs, but, uh, I do think that they just had some horrible luck last year and it's, it's really going to be a different season for them this year.
1: And uh, for the AFC, the team um, that's going to jump into the playoff picture for me is the Texans. I just think Teddy Bridgewater, uh, not Teddy Bridgewater, uh, Deshaun Watson. It's his time to make the jump uh, and be the star that he showed uh, for the year. If he's healthy, I think, Houston uh, gets a wild card spot. What about you?
2: Yeah, I mean, I was gonna, I, I was gonna talk about Houston a little bit, but I think that the Chargers are really a team to watch this year. I know, I know, everyone's sick and tired of like Philip Rivers, but this defense is going to be superb this year. I mean, Melvin Ingram and Joey Bosa, they have Casey Hayward and. Trevor Williams on the on the corners. This it, it, is a great, great defense. And if Philip Rivers can just be solid, they they still have Keenan Allen, who is I think always underrated. This is the best offensive line that Melvin Gordon's ever seen. I really think the Chargers have a chance at the wild
1: card. That's funny you say that because they were my uh, my number two. But I I don't think they're quite ready to take over from the Chiefs yet. I mean say what you want about Andy Reid in the playoffs in uh, late game situations. But Andy Reid in the regular season is still one of the five best coaches in football. They seem to churn out 10, 11 wins, no matter what's going on. So I, I do think the chargers and the Texans will be wild card, um, you know, wild card uh, teams in the AFC uh, in terms of like your craziest take for each division. Um, you know, just, we'll run through them quickly. AFC East, what's like, if you're going out on a limb most, what do you expect from the AFC East? If
2: the AFC East? Jeez. why don't you go first, AFC East?
1: Um, that the Patriots don't win 12 games.
2: Okay, yeah, I mean, I t- Patriots are just so significantly better than everyone
1: else. Right, but I, at at some point it needs to end, right? I think they're going to win the division. Yeah. They can win the division at 10 and 6, 11 and 5. I just don't think they're going to reach the 12 uh, and 4 mark if I'm going out on a limb. Like, it's, yeah, at, at some proper. point, they have a 41-year-old behind center. Uh, I mean, as great as he is. Like, they can't win 12 games every single year for close to 20 years, right? <sighs> They're so much better than everyone
2: else. I mean, they're, they're really still the class of the league. And Brady, Brady has not shown any signs of slowing like I hate saying it. I mean, I don't. Plan it's,
1: on, it's the worst, right? You know, it's rooting the, for him. It, yeah, it it's sucks. It's the worst. Um, that, that's my for the AFC East in terms of the hottest.
2: Yeah. Uh, I was going to say that uh, Frank Gore with the Dolphins is going to at least split carries or still have a solid and productive season, even though it's his 15th season in the league.
1: I mean, that would be pretty unprecedented for a running back considering what he's done. I mean, he's building a a Hall of Fame case as one of the most more unsung players to really build a Hall of Fame case. Uh, AFC West. What do you have?
2: AFC West Let's see. I think let's see. I mean, it's hard not to talk about the Raiders, right? I think I think that Derek Carr is going to put together a productive season tour in the back half of this season. I think it's going to be a media frenzy, but then I think it'll quiet down after the start, and I think Derek Carr and Amari Cooper are going to get back on track, and the Raiders are probably on the outside looking into the playoffs, but I think they're going to have a nice season.
1: I think the Denver Broncos are going to win like two games. Is that really a hot take? <laughs> I, I mean, I, I'm not, I know Case Keenum was really good last year. I just don't see it. I just don't see it. But the real interesting hot takes come from the AFC North. I mean, what do you, what do you have there? Cause I have two.
2: Yeah. I mean, I, I actually like the Ravens a little, I don't know if that's like a crazy hot take. Like I think everyone thinks that Steelers are just going to run away with this division, but I, I kind of like what the Ravens are doing. I like the offensive line. I, re- I really like how they're set up in the front seven. Um, And I, I really like Alex Collins as a running back. So even though Joe Flacco might be on the way out in favor of Lamar, I kind of like, uh, I kind of like where the Ravens sit as a competition for the Steelers.
1: You, you're not giving any love to RG three, RG three's back. Let's go. Yeah. Right. My hot take for the, uh, AFC North is I think the Browns are the second best team in that division.
2: That is a hot take. I, I just want them to win a game.
1: <laughs> is I, That's crazy. But like, I don't love the Ravens. Um, I really don't like the Bengals. I mean, could could the Browns really, I mean, maybe the Browns could be seven and nine and be the second best team in that division. I don't know. Yeah, that would be, <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah, it is pretty crazy. Um, we'll skip the AFC South because we kind of talked about that. NFC East, your hot take for the NFC East. Dude,
2: does it count if we continue to talk about like how bad the Giants were last year and how much, how significantly better I think they are this year? That I, my hot take is just that I think that their ground game is going to be so much better than it's been in years past. I know the offensive line part of it still stinks, but but adding guys like Will Hernandez and Nate Solder is just such a huge upgrade that if they're a B minus this year. It's far better than the F minus that they were last
1: year. Uh, that is for so sure. The Giants'
2: game.
1: All right. Uh, mine is that the Cowboys are going to be one of the five worst teams in football this year. Yeah,
2: I can't disagree. There, they stink.
1: I mean, they they really stink. And the Redskins are not particularly good. Um, I do I do think Alex Smith is is good enough t- for them to be mediocre. But I think the Cowboys are going to be terrible, and I think that it's going to get really ugly that they're going to start questioning how good Dak Prescott really is. I, I, I think the, uh, this is the season where this, the shine really comes off Dak Prescott. Uh, yeah. West, NFC West, NFC uh, West, not super compelling. Um, I mean, you mentioned the 49ers making the leap. Um, mine is that the Seahawks are not going to be as bad as everybody says they are.
2: I was about to say that I don't think the
1: Seahawks are going to win more than three games more than three <laughs> okay, so we dis- so i mean so let's talk this out for a second in today's sure. league, you know the value of a quarterback is is so immense you don't think Russell Wilson can win seven games by himself. Uh. But it's
2: not Russell Wilson, though. Yes, I do. But what if he's running for his life at all times?
1: No, of course. They they have one of
2: the worst offenses like you saw last year. You know that. Yeah, it's bad. This the Giants.
1: It's bad. The only thing is, is that Eli can't, you know, looks like he's running in in quicksand and Russell Wilson can still make things happen. I mean, I think he's the third best quarterback in the league. But maybe that's not enough. I just I don't think they're going to be abominable. I think the I mean I think seven and nine, you know, somewhere between six and ten and eight and eight. But like they're not going to be abominable.
2: I think people think that this defense is the defense of three years ago. Well, that's just not true. Outside outside of Bobby Wagner, like no one is there anymore. This is not a good defense anymore. It's a bad defense. They're going to struggle to stop the run. They don't have a good secondary. It's, it's not a good defense anymore. And the talent on offense is outside of Russell Wilson, which I agree can win you some games. It's, it's bad. It's
1: bleak. I just don't think they're going to be one of the, one of the five worst teams. Um, And NFC South, we kind of spoke about, but yeah, I mean, as we go through it, it's the NFC is just, is just so tough. I mean, it's going to be, it's going to be a bloodbath for those six playoff spots. Moving on to college football, um, as I do when I bring you on on every show, uh, the state of Michigan football, give it to us.
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, really struggled down the stretch last year, kind of all year finding a quarterback. So that was kind of the story of the season. We had our little uh, Amazon documentary. They did a hard knocks for college teams, and we were on it, and it was really kind of pathetic that we were just rotating quarterbacks all season, struggling to have any sense of a passing game. Um, and really, really, it all culminated with the bowl game. And like, a big deficit to uh, losing to South Carolina. So this year, story changes. Uh, we take advantage of Ole Miss' Ole Miss's off-field concerns, get a real blue chipper at quarterback. Shea Patterson, five-star, comes in. Uh, already with some SEC experience under the belt. A ton of returning starters, both on both sides of the ball, come back. Uh, you got one of the top 10, 15 running backs in Karan Higdon coming back. You got a bunch of young five star second year, third year receivers back. Um, and then you got an absolutely treacherous defense. You have Rashawn Gary, who's picked as a top three pick projected in the NFL draft. Chase Winovich, another first rounder bookending the defensive line, and you have the best secondary in college football. So its I think it's a good team, the issue being the schedule. The schedule is really not favorable. You have to go to Notre Dame on Saturday night to open the season, and then you're traveling to Michigan State, which has a more experienced, better team this year, and then traveling to Ohio State. Now, with, with all their off-field troubles, they're still an extremely talented team, that'll have urban Meyer about week four uh, when they go to Penn state. So it's a tough schedule. You still get Wisconsin and Penn state at home, but it's a, it's a really difficult schedule that uh, I think we're looking at maybe like a nine, 10 win campaign.
1: So I'm getting uh, a signal that we're going to have to wrap up in about five minutes. So uh, two quick things before we go uh, Two quick questions regarding Michigan uh, Patterson, the quarterback, does he have any pro potential?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, right now he's projected as one of the top two or three quarterbacks on the NFL draft. I've i watched him. I, I see it from an arm strength mobility. The problem is that I've only seen him play in the, uh, college like spread RPO type system. Uh, I don't, I don't know how it necessarily translates, but you know, we've seen that now more and more, um, in the NFL that, uh, I think, um, I think that he
1: does have the potential to get there. So obviously it sounds like uh, Harbaugh can uh, with a good season can really stay off the hot seat, even though I don't think he'll be on the hot seat after this. But do you think Michigan can sneak into the, the final four and and besides Michigan, if you believe that Michigan can sneak into the final four? Which team from outside the preseason final four do you think has the best chance of really making a run and making the, uh, the playoff?
2: Yikes. Yeah, I know I did a horrible projection for the playoff last year, so I'm not really going to project the playoff, but I, I don't know if Mich- Michigan schedule is so difficult, uh, that I, I find it hard for them to get there. And, um, but if I'm looking at the outside, looking in, I'm going to say something that I think a lot of people might not expect, but. I think that Texas has a shot this year. Now it's Tom Herman. He's now has his own players in his system. He's got a second year quarterback in Sam Ellinger who clearly has later in the season. You saw that he has the poise uh, to actually get it done. And then you have by Todd Orlando that was second in the big 12 last year, top 25 in the country. It's a fairly favorable schedule that you get USC, TCU, Oklahoma State, and Oklahoma at home. I think that they are going to be kind of like how they were back in the Mac Brown days and uh, really surprise a lot of teams this year. And then the other one I would say is, uh, I guess this is is not that far-fetched because they're still like a top-ten team but I really think that uh, Notre Dame is going to be a team that who Michigan's playing actually week one, but I think they're a team that potentially uh, has a chance at making it in given their, their, given their schedule outside of the Michigan game, but and USC. Uh, but you know, they, they go to Virginia tech where I think it's going to be a down year for Virginia tech. Uh, I think Brandon Wimbush is going to have a solid season. So, and he looked, he looked pretty good against LSU in the bowl game. And then their defense is really strong this year. So I think Notre Dame, Texas, two teams on the outside that might be a good push to make it in.
1: And just, um, and what, what number is Michigan ranked going into the season?
2: Um, Michigan AP wise is, um,
1: I'm shocked. You don't know like this off 14. the top of your head 14.
2: No, because I, I hate rankings. I, I think that they're really silly preseason. From a coaches and AP perspective, they're subject to change all the time. If anything, it gets into the kids' heads and kind of screws them, especially early on in the season when they have those jitters. So, yeah, 14, whatever. And
1: if, and if no playoffs, does, does Harbaugh survive?
2: If they don't make the playoff, you said?
1: Yeah, if Michigan doesn't make the playoff, does Harbaugh survive?
2: 100, per, oh, the playoff, yeah, 100%. I was going to say, he should probably have to beat Ohio State, but I don't even know if he has to do that to survive. It's, it's kind of like, who are your alternative options, really? Like, who is there out there that would come and coach Michigan that would have a higher pedigree than Jim Harbaugh? And given his assist? I think that's, yeah, No, that's, as I said last year, that's crazy talk.
1: All right. Well, anyway, uh, Jordan, thank you for your time and always uh, your tremendous insight. Uh, we're just uh, wrapping up a little bit. Uh, thanks again, and I'll speak to you soon, man. All right. Take care, buddy. Have a good one. Bye. All right, thanks again to uh, one of my favorite recurring guests, probably who's been on the most. Uh, I'd have to double-check that. Mr. Jordan Marks, college football expert, uh, tremendously enthusiastic Jets fan. And that concludes this current installment of the For the Love of the Game podcast, episode 30 in the books. Take us out, Drizzy. Turn you
0: to a vegetable like you lying in soup. And when I'm in the poop, the line is loose man i got so many styles i am a group <laughs> damn i be gone till november but it, i ain't tripping i know Drizzy gonna kill him Stickin' to the script like lint on denim Mama said if the rules ain't bent, don't bend them. Real, real talking. shut the f- up, up, ho Gotta do it one time for hate it, what up, We's an F baby, and the F is for front, though Cause that's where I bring it, Sue, if you bangin', mother Yeah, girl, it's on, you know what it is When I finally make it home, I just hope that you Miss me a little when I'm gone you miss me a little when i'm gone and you just tell me what you down for anything you down for i know things have changed No, i used to be around more but you should miss me a little when i'm gone i just hope that you miss me a little when i'm
2: gone thank you for listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform